On this week's episode of Slashers, we review Cabin in the Woods, the cult classic, That's a Killer. Make sure you stay tuned until the end of the episode to listen to Ghost Girl by Paddle Cell. If you hear a strange sound outside, have sex. This is Slashers, a podcast about movies and more for those who love horror. My name is Jake, and with me, as always, Chad, you've been remanded based on poor attendance records because Jim is excelling right now. You can redeem yourself. It's early enough in the year you can come back. That's all right. The shittiest <laughs> Jesus story I've ever heard of. You're the Phoenix. She's like, nah, I'm cool being Ashes, dog. We're like, no, dude, you're totally capable. Start f- burning again. He's like, nah, man. Jake's um, over here with his his flint. <laughs> Come on, start, you bitch. Using, uh, what is, what's the f- lighter fluid? Just dousing you in lighter fluid? You're like, nah, not going to do it. So anyway, introducing Jim Turn, Jimothy Jim, Jim the boy. How's it going, bud? What's up, fuck boys? So you have been on every episode. Well, no, I just because we did the review year in review. Yeah, Krampus too. Yeah, so I'm gonna redo this. You have been on every episode that we've recorded after January 1st, 2020, because this is the only one. (laughs) There we go. My bad. And to his left, my right is Chad, producer Chad. Do you guys like that you remain Jim Turn and producer Chad, even though you're clearly co-hosts? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine with it. It's your persona, Mm -hmm. right? It's your. uh, your Avenge Sevenfold Sinister Gates name, right? Yeah. The Rev. <laughs> I did that one. I really on my don't first like dance. it that it's on Facebook because everyone's like, oh, you're a producer? And I'm like, no, it's literally a fake producer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to produce anything for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Will not happen. Yep. Yeah, the amount of people who have reached out and be like, oh, hey, can you forward my resume to people? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It literally will never happen. Yeah. <laughs> the fact is, I couldn't forward my resume to anybody in this industry and have them be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, what's really fun is when my like my professional business profile and stuff meets the podcast professional profile because I have separate <laughs> social media accounts. Right. And I'll be like, no, I'm sorry, you know, devil worshiping fist fuck 19. You do not follow my law firm profile. Thank you, sir. Blocky block. I've only had like bleed into the other. I've had people from my real life follow my my gym turn account. Oh, and I'm like... It. Uh, do I really do? I, should I accept my dad's follow? Or yes, my grandpa's because it's happened. Yeah, we talk about fisting an awful yep. lot on the show. My mother-in-law asked what the name was, and I was like, "You don't need to know." Yeah. <laughs> oh, you should have given it to her. Oh yeah, because I'm the one who says the profane stuff. You're just an accomplice there too. Yep. As an attorney, I can tell you that you're relatively not culpable. Yeah. Guilty by no, my wife was like, <laughs> my <laughs> wife was like, "Do not look him up." <laughs> do not do it, mother. Do not. <laughs> Lucky enough, in Southern California, Chad is a common enough name. Oh. If you put in like Chad podcast, it'd be like 50,000 dude bro Chads. Like, oh, this week on No Way, spelled W-H-E-Y, <laughs> we're going to talk about getting jacked, jacking each other <laughs> off in the locker room. <laughs> yes. I do not like my name, but yeah. If you could pick another name, what would it be? Ooh, I don't know. 
Never even thought about it. You want to know one that I think would throw a lot of people off? Go if for I could it. pick, I would have been Henry. Because oh. Henry abbreviates to Hank, which I've always really liked. Mm. It's something that's like old enough, familiar enough. Because that's one of the things. I love weird names. Like I have often said that if we had a boy, I was going to name him Locutus, middle name of Borg. <laughs> but oh that God. didn't work. So I like it. But I just like it the fact that it's accessible. Because I never liked when I did substitute teaching work to be the guy who's like, and how do we pronounce this? And we put some sad kid on blast named like Rajani Ganda. And you're just like, well, <laughs> God damn it. Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. So what would Such your a great name episode. be, James? I like. I'm good with with James because it has so many other names. James, Jim, Jimmy, Jimmy. Jim yep. Motron, Jimmers, Jimmers. Oh yeah, uh, in England apparently Jimothy. they say Jakers is like a thing. Huh. Oh Jakers, the Adventures of Tailywinks. Your guys' names are pretty common though too. You guys have been fine with your names. Uh, I mean, it, mine's it, just associated with like the bro culture yeah, and white yeah. people. Yeah. And so, yeah, even when my wife shows like her husband, they're like, oh, this is Chad. They're like, what? He's, no, not, he's not. Yeah, that's not him. Chad doesn't have a sweater yeah. tied around his shoulders. <laughs> yeah. You got the Chads and the Karens. Yeah. I will say this. I'm very grateful every day that you're not Chaz with a Z. Yes, I oh, did work God. with one. Oh, no. Yeah. He was a big buff black guy. It was pretty oh, funny. It, works. it worked. I, I know one named Shad, a big buff black guy. Weird. Nobody's ever criticized his name. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody ever called him uh, Jacob Fakeup Makeup. <laughs> wow. First grade was rough. <laughs> wow. Hence Jake. I never had a bully. Oh. That's pretty strange. That's odd. I feel like that's probably why you're so mellow. I feel like I'm always ready to attack. So <laughs> last night we saw not Knives Out walking through the parking lot. Clearly there's a stop. It says stop. Big white letters six feet long dude almost hits my wife <laughs> and so i'm like hey he almost hit my wife it says stop <laughs> and then his <laughs> wife we're talking you the one that let me talk to your manager that haircut <laughs> the, oh karen karen, yeah, karen. <laughs> in the front seat she starts to mock me and i'm like are you on uh, and this is my thing when i'm mad i always say on what planet blank on what butt fucking planet do you almost hit a woman and you think that you're gonna mock me? <laughs> so they start to like drive off without acknowledging or apologizing. Yep. And I'm like, dumb fuck, I can run. <laughs> so I ran next to his window and I keep pace with him and I'm like, hey! And I toss my hands up like, what? And he screeches off, so I slapped his window. And I was like, I'm probably going to be in trouble. And then my wife didn't mind. And then there was a lovely gay couple who were like, you get him. Dude, you are going to get shot someday. I know. It was Glendora, dude. It's, uh, uh, yeah. it's, there you Let go. Trump supporter try. <laughs> my wife gets so mad at me anytime something happens, if I do anything. Yeah. <laughs> She's so worried that we're going to get yeah. shot. I, I get the fear, but at the same point, it's like, you're not going to shoot me. And yeah. even if you try, you're not going to be a good enough shot because I, I'm slippery. <laughs> I watched enough Beastmaster as a kid. I'm a ferret. I'm a, whoa, where'd my bones go? My wife is always a person that says something to somebody else too. And I'm I like, can see it. I'm like, honey, if it comes down to it and I have to kill somebody, I'm going to jail. <laughs> so just stop talking. <laughs> I would really like to see. I kind of wish that your wife had grown up in like the 70s in Boston. I'd imagine her with like a beehive haircut, smoking cigarettes out of one of those like long plastic things oh with God. like a scotch <laughs> and just like yelling at people while the TV's on and being like, you have fucking Red Sox are a bunch of pussies. And then you're like, no, dear. No. Yep. And you start rolling up your sleeves like, who's it going to be this week? <laughs> The yeah, sheriff knows you much. by name. And he's like, all right, Chad, at least your name's not Chaz. Get in the holding cell. 
So are we going to talk about this movie or not? I don't I even like know if banter. I want to. It's just so good. I loved it. It's great. It, no. I go through phases of love and adoration with it, though. Because I just... I Joss Whedon is so cringy at this point. Oh, I love him at this point. At this point, after the whole, like, his wife coming out that he was, like, an abusive Hey, cheater. there's two sides to every story. And where's no, his? Just <laughs> he just hid. He's so, like, oh, they found me out. <laughs> he goes from Avengers, and then he's like, all right, bye, Marvel. I'm going to go help DC. And then... That's he, where, yeah, I lose him. Yeah. And then, he, <laughs> so he was originally going to do the Batwoman movie. And then his ex-wife was like, no, he always talks about these empowered women, but he's a piece of shit. And then DC was like... Batwoman movie? What are you talking about? It's never been a movie. It's a, it's a TV show with Ruby Rose. Come on down. Come on down. Everybody's just stop pointing fingers. So him, cringy. Drew Goddard, seemingly cool, makes Daredevil on Netflix, which is almost good. It's better than the rest. Yeah. I still haven't watched season three, though, because my favorite villain of all time is Bullseye, so I just don't want to be disappointed. It's... Yeah, it's different. <laughs> that's that's all I can say. Yeah. Bullseye, is not the, a redeeming the guy who played him, I think, did fine. They made him like more military. I hate it. But yeah, he doesn't have any of like the flair or anything. That's the whole point of the character. That's the point of Lester. His exactly. Right. Is he was pitching a no hitter game, got bored and was like, you know, it'd be really fun if I just fucking kill this guy with a baseball. And that's how his career as an assassin started. <laughs> yeah, there's none of that. <laughs> that's bullshit. But, I mean, Drew Goddard clearly wasn't in control of that decision, so I won't hold it against him personally. Drew, you you can be my pen pal if you want. (laughs) We talked about it a little bit where he doesn't really get any credit for this movie, even though he directed it and co-wrote it. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of interesting because everyone's like, oh, no, it's Josh Whedon or whatever. So, yeah, it's kind of sad. What do you think, Jimbo? Honestly, I don't know much about Josh Whedon other than what his... Buffy? Buffy, yeah. Buffy, (laughs) Firefly, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know like all that stuff with him happened. Or Dark, whatever. right? Like Dollhouse and everything. So he right. he's made a career off of empowered females. So that's one of the things that just made it seem like really weird and insincere. It also made it seem fetishistic, where he's like, I'm going to give women all this power and I'm <laughs> going to objectify them. Oh, yeah. Well, they're always like super sexy when they do it. You know, did he do Alias or no? I think so. Yeah, because I think that's also like and he did same- Alien Resurrection, too. Yeah. So- Gordon Weaver's got some weird sexual hotness going on in that movie. Ugh. It's weird. She's like milfy age. And it's like if she was a brand new clone, why would she be milfy? Why would she be older? I don't care. I know, right? Why would you wake her up? And I hate her hair, but I love her. (laughs) Right? She's got like jerry curl hair. Yeah. You just kind of want to rub it. Just want to lick her. Yeah. Not in like a sexual way, but just like to know that I've done it. I'm okay with that. Like a stamp. Yeah. Like Sigourney Weaver as a stamp. (laughs) I don't know what that means. (laughs) Somebody that's going to be a a stamp collector is like, Sigourney Weaver's already been on a commemorative stamp. I'll have you know. Mail it to me. Use the stamp. Oh. <laughs> so there are a couple movies that come to mind with this one. Where, a couple? No. Stop. A hundred? S- stop. I'm talking about structure. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's go. From Dust Till Dawn, I think, is probably my favorite comparison to this movie in terms of tonal shift. Have you seen From Dust Till Dawn? Yes. Tarantino film that's bandits escaping with a hostage family and they end up at just some Strip dirty bar. bar. Yeah. All right, pussy, 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 come on in. <laughs> if you Long need to be reminded, pussy, yeah. yeah. There you go. And then it turns into a vampire shit show Survival with like a rate. weird snake-headed woman. Yes. Love that. Yep. This movie's like that in terms of like, oh, here's your movie. Oh, actually, it's not that movie at all. Melt your brain. Yes. And both of these movies I had seen without having it spoiled because I saw this opening weekend, so I didn't know what the trick was. We did was. too. Yep. Yeah. yeah. 
And so we saw it together, right? Yes. Yes. Can you think of any other movies that really kind of do that with your brainstem? Mm. I feel like there's something in like the last five years that was super similar and I just can't think of it. The only one that came to mind for me was Ready or Not. Have you seen that? Yes. I'm not going to spoil it, but we saw it together because yeah. we did a parking lot review on it and there's a great tonal shift in that, but that's at the very end. That's the interesting thing. This is basically your M. Night Shyamalan plot twist about 40 minutes into the movie as opposed right. to... And like obviously there are hints, but that full reveal is very interesting. So... To Chad's point, there are about a million things this movie references. So much so that a little man named Peter Gallagher on April 13th, 2015, filed a copyright infringement suit against the filmmakers of this, claiming that it it used his plot, mood, pace, sequence of events, and names of its lead characters. So about five months later, it gets dismissed in a federal court, and U.S. District Judge Otis D. Wright II said, and I quote, while the two work share... Wait, what, what kind of accent should I do for this? Something more dignified. British. I was going to say colonial, yeah. <laughs> like, which would be British. Yeah, but yes. let's say, um, I uh, want to picture you with a white wig and all that. So, uh, so it's, uh, I'm going to do like a little southern British. <laughs> all right. <laughs> While the two works share a common premise of students traveling to remote locations and subsequently being murdered, that's just full southern. That was full southern. Yeah. I'll just switch to British now. <laughs> Real or otherwise, that premise is unprotectable. The concept of young people venturing off to such locations and being murdered by some evil force is common in horror films. Here, here. He goes on to say, <laughs> the work may be both have the common core and theme of horror, but Cabin's core of horror is spliced with heavy amounts of comedy and parody. Indeed, the way each works out is drastically different than the other, as is the way they develop their core themes and how they provide commentary. So the only thing that they shared was the group traveling to... That's literally what Evil Dead is. This is basically your Wes Craven getting <laughs> sued for Nightmare on Elm Street because the guy's like, oh, well, I wrote a horror movie too. Right. But this is this guy, this is the scum-sucking pig part of it, he self-published his book. And how many Google searches do you think this fuck had got just for filing it? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, why not? Yeah. Yeah. It's also kind of like suing somebody for making a car that also has four wheels. Yep. It's like, <laughs> this is the thing that makes it the thing. Yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> it's a tricycle. <laughs> so, in other crossover media, Mathieu Cote, the developer from Behavior Interactive who did the game Dead by Daylight, wanted to make a... Cabin in the Woods game at one point, but then he couldn't get in contact with the people because MGM became a bankrupt shell of itself. Yep. Because they were also supposed to be, weren't there video games planned for this as well? Left 4 Dead Left 2 for Dead. was supposed to have a crossover. Yeah. So you actually, there's Left 4 Dead 2 characters in the cubes. Yes. Which is cool. I was a huge fan of that game. Please make more of them, Valve. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Valve's like, oh, all the t- stuff that you want, we're never going to do. Half-Life 3 will never happen. No. Here's a <laughs> VR game, though. Yeah, well, that's what I was dying for. 
Jesus. Have you seen the stuff where the like fans have remade or remastered the original Half-Life? No. no. It blows my mind. It's like it's this beautiful thing that will never be finished, but it's just awesome to see. You can Google it. People have done tremendous work for free just as a passion project for it. And then also, last point, have you ever seen what Gordon Freeman originally looked like? Where he had a flat top and a giant Viking gear? <laughs> oh, it's awesome. I do love the Hugh Laurie looking motherfucker that we got in those games, but I do love this weird flat top Viking. It looks kind of like Guile if he fucked Gimli. <laughs> Now let's move on. I have a lot to say about this movie. This is probably going to be the most if you if I'm your least favorite character on our show, this is not the episode <laughs> to like delve into because I am going to be talking an awful lot very quickly because I am a fan of referential material such as this. Oh. <laughs> so very simply, Evil Dead. Yes. It's referenced right the, off the bat. The yeah. title of the film, The Cabin in the Woods. Is there any movie that you think of when you cabin in the woods besides Evil Dead? Not really. Yeah. There are other movies that take place in the woods in a cabin, but that's just the one. But it's the most impactful or yeah. Re- rememberable. Yeah, for sure. Well, like, it's very interesting that people don't talk about Evil Dead in the same way that they talk about, you know, Texas Chainsaw or something like that as far as like a game changer. Yeah. I think that it's on par there with, but obviously you're only going to be Texas Chainsaw once. Right. I think that a huge element of it is the politic the pol- politicization, polit politic nation. Uh-huh. Of Texas Chainsaw Trump Nation. Exactly. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> I'm feeling that bird baby. Plus, they reference Army of Darkness and Evil Dead several times throughout this movie. Oh, yeah. Like a lot. You're a fan of Evil Dead, the remake, right? Yeah. I liked all of them. Big fan of it. Yeah. Gnarly. That yes. needle? Gnarly. Yeah. The tongue, like. Uh, oh, yeah. She, like, rips it out. She's carving oh, her face with the so glass. Hot. Yeah, man. Bonerville. She can, like, but tickle the balls the and the butthole with that tongue. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> need to go to my safe space now <laughs> so let's talk about monsters in the film right yes i don't want to talk about it within the narrative because i feel like at that point it's just going to get chaotic and we're going to let the wheels fall off so we're going to do it now because i said so drew goddard said it's not just the list it's what happens in the basement you can see clues as to where we were heading with this third act and that required a tremendous amount of preparation with our crew to get everyone on the same page and say we're really going to build this world and this world is going to be fed throughout this movie i mean it does a very good job because i've told my wife last night when we were watching it you could end the movie when they're going down the elevator and i would have been happy yeah because that's its own genre film it's like you know the coup de gras you know when you see a ufc title fight and you have a guy who's paced himself for all five rounds then lays it on in the fifth round yeah that's what this movie does where it's like it's a very quaint movie and then it's like what you did (laughs) what well, yeah, I mean, they just let out little bits, little bits, little bits, the entire way. And then at the very end, just it's like dropping a sledgehammer. Right. And you totally could imagine that they would have just ended it like the way you said, because they're yeah. like budget. There's so much you'd have to do. How are you going to finish it? But no, they whipped it out. Also, you could do it like a slideshow or like, you know, you're, you're on your haunted mansion and your doom buggy and you're seeing these things in their little cubes as you go by. Like, oh, that's neat. Right. But to release them. What asshole put a purge button and switch? <laughs> <laughs> that's the dumbest idea ever. Right. <laughs> yes. Like, think about the mundane element of this kind of 
workplace, you know at least 10% of the people who work there are suicidal. Yes. So why bring a gun to work when you can just flip a switch and you have a giant <laughs> fucking serpent there to eat everyone? That chick from accounting who spurned your advances and made you feel like a dirty cuss, she just got eaten by a cobra. Yep. I can sleep easier at night knowing that. <laughs> so we start off the first monster you see aside from the Buckners is the werewolf. Yes. Love this werewolf. Very much in the genre of like the howling. Right. Anthropomorphic looks great. Apparently, what would trigger the werewolf in the basement is the amulet. Yes. Was that made apparent in the movie or? It's a lot of supplemental materials on this. So you can really get lost in the weeds. And some of them do have a direct one and some of them have been implied. Right. So Goddard has gone on record saying that if it's not canonical, it doesn't really matter. So if you don't know, there is a visual companion that goes to this as well where they had a bunch of concept art for things that never happened. And there's a novelization which explains some of these like Kevin, for instance, on the whiteboard. It's just a serial killer. And it's supposed to be like the film reels that the stoner guy was looking at that was supposed oh, to okay. exactly. release him. And so some people take that as a nod to Patrick Bateman. Some people said it was a nod to Elijah Wood's character from Sin City. It's basically just a serial killer. Right. But nobody referenced 8mm with Nicolas Cage, but whatever. Yeah. You got the alien beast, which is like your face hugger xenomorph kind of thing in the concept art. Basically, it's a xenomorph, but instead of one phallic head, it has kind of like two that branch out of the sides of its head. Now, did you catch the reference in the name alien beast to what that is? Chad, I'm pointing at you because you did the episode of Alien with me. Mm-hmm. What was the original title? You sick bastard. Alien something. Star Beast. That's what it was. You <laughs> son of a bitch. You know how long ago that was? Not that long ago. I've committed all of these tri- all this trivia to memory. All of it. Uh-huh. No, not at all. <laughs> Seriously, I feel like, like everything must go. It's like a fire sale. As soon as the week's episode is done, I'm like, throw it over. Right. Even before I'm editing, because sometimes I'll be editing. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I'm like, wait, I knew this. I'm the one who said this. That's my voice. Weird. And then we had the mutants, reference to the hills have eyes. Yep. Directed and written by. Who's that guy again? Jesus, butt fucking Christ. <laughs> What's Craven? Thank you. <laughs> They're the ones that get, get shot and the green goo flies out his head. Yep. It's great. The reference being the camper, but what would trigger them is the gas mask. Yes. Uh huh. Wraiths. Just ghosts, 13 ghosts, I guess. I don't know. I didn't yeah. think that was in general. overly compelling. Zombies. People are like very adamant. Like, oh, this is a George. Air-. Shut the fuck up. It's just <laughs> zombies. Yeah. But there's zombies and there's deadites. And there is the zombie family. Yeah. Zombie redneck torture family. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically like comparing an elephant to an elephant seal. Yeah. Greatest justification <laughs> I've ever heard. And as like a nerd, I was like, oh, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. Plus, they didn't die when they get like hit in the brain. So, oh, that's a good point. Yep. Then we had Reptilicus of the film of the same name, Reptilicus. Yes. The clowns, too many to list. But I do like that it wasn't like some of the human characters that are evil. They show like the clown getting shot several times, but it is more like mystical or he doesn't die. Very and he just like wise. laughs. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it wasn't like, oh, it's just a killer clown. So. Yeah, I remember the first time seeing it when he's getting shot so much. I was like, oh, naturally, they're going to shoot him in the nose and do a killer clowns. Right. They didn't do it. But you have to think about it because like if they had some random serial killer named Kevin, how is he going to actually kill that many people by himself and actually pull it off? I really love the idea that it's Kevin McAllister growing up. (laughs) (laughs) Just hit my brain. Works for me. And then you have witches, which are triggered with scythe. Yeah. Sexy witches. Sexy witches. Love the distinction there. If you have to die by one of these, you got to pick a sexy witch. Of course. Right. 
That's why I married one. <laughs> please don't ever let my wife hear this episode, please, for the love of God. Ooh, I don't want to isolate that. <laughs> Next was Demons. People are like, oh, yeah, it's a reference to the film Demons. God. Sure. <laughs> oh, that's a different one. No, I know. Oh. That's the one that I like. We'll get there. The Dismemberment Goblins? Yes. That's actually Drew Goddard's favorite. Oh. Yeah. They just run around in the background ripping people into pieces. Yeah. It's really cool. <laughs> the Hell Lord, Fornicus, Lord of Bondage and Pain. That's probably my favorite. I think that's just a very great homage. Yeah. To Pinhead. Yeah. He's got the buzzsaw blades and he's got the you know, barbed wire and he's holding. Okay. So they had referred to it as a puzzle sphere and Le Marcan's box. Yes. So there you go. Then you have the angry molesting tree from Evil Dead on the thing. Yeah. Triggered by a jar of sap. What's fun is just to see it on the whiteboard, you're like, oh, that's a great reference. And then you actually see, see it yeah. coming out of the fucking elevator <laughs> yeah. and pulling somebody. You're like, oh. And then the fountain of blood that just pours out of the same door is and great. If it's a molesting tree, that blood came out of his butt. Uh huh. <laughs> Jesus. Giant it, snake. Yeah. I'm going to say the giant snake is a reference to Conan the Barbarian, and I'm going to say it's a slasher movie. Why? Because he has a sword. <laughs> Deadites, Evil Dead, triggered with tape recorder, or there's another diary, and there's also the cellar door as a reference as well. Yes. That's fun. Even the reading out from the diary is very Necronomicon. Exactly. The Book of the Dead. Yep. Mm-hmm. Then we have the mummy, yes. which is just a dagger. Pretty cool. You got the bride. From the blood splattered bride, bride of Frankenstein. Right. That's the necklace. Yep. That uh, floozy chick almost puts on. Scarecrow folk from Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. They're great. They were. Yeah, it was I, pretty I, cool. I did not remember them as well from the other ones. It's it a lot of fun. The dis- simple distinction. They're basically just cannibalistic scarecrows, but it looks great. Yep. The dragon bat. Very oh, cool. People reference Guillermo del Toro because of the way that its jaw opens horizontally like right. the ones from Blade 2. Sure. I'm not going to argue <laughs> against it because it looks great. Sugar Plum Fairy. Goddard called this the Ballerina Dentata. <laughs> yes. That's good. <laughs> There's uh, ballet slippers in the basement. The Merman. Obviously a reference to Creature of the Black Lagoon. <laughs> it's triggered with the conch. Which, honestly, I kind of wish that I could have just spliced one little thing in where <laughs> everybody is like talking in the basement and Chris Hemsworth, because he picks up the conch before he picks up the lament configuration thing, right? Right. And I wish he'd be like, everybody quiet, I've got the conch. <laughs> and then somebody, Buckner, drops a giant rock on his head. <laughs> a little too on the nose, the Lord of the Flies reference yeah. there. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things to watch in the world. Have you seen the 1990s remake of the Lord of the Flies? Nope. So the Simpsons famously made a joke about when Otto like uh, gets swept out to sea and it's all the kids. Do you remember this one at all? I don't think so. Uh. So they make fun of it. And so from there, I was like, oh, I have to see this. And my grandma had given me a copy of the book. So I was like, oh, I have to read this. And I read it and I was like, compelled by it. So I watched the movie. It is an inflatable rock that they drop on Piggy's head that bounces <laughs> off. It's on YouTube. You have to see it. It literally will change your life and perception of humor. <laughs> then we have the reanimated... I don't know really the distinction between the reanimated and the zombies visually, but it's there. I think maybe somebody's wearing a hospital gown. Yeah, but they said like, I think I saw a YouTube clip where they said it was close to like the reanimator, but yeah. Inspired by the works of one H.P. Lovecraft, yep. which there's a Cthulhu-like creature in this. Yeah, there is. There's a unicorn. We'll yeah. say it's a reference to legend. I don't know. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> well, it's a reference to Blade Runner too. It's pretty funny. Uh, Huron. 
which is a reference to Josh Whedon and Drew Goddard's Pangs, which was a movie about a killing Native American. Came out in 1999. You got a Sasquatch, a Wendigo, and a Yeti. Yep. That's pretty great. Yeah. The Dolls, The Doctors, Redneck Murder Family, Jack-O-Lantern Giant, and Twins. Twins, of course, being the, the Grady Twins. Exactly. Jim, you want to cover the ones who are not on the board? Yeah. Slow Walking Creepy Girl, Balding Menace, Floating Head. Now, Floating Head is really rad. because So that is uh, supposed to have been triggered by there's a poster in the basement for Roberto the Limitless Man. And the monster was played by the movie special effect artist Drew Leroy Anderson, who is Heather Langenkamp's husband, mm-hmm. who was in A Nightmare on Elm Street yes. Part 1. They run the studio that did the special effects, and it's actually like in Irvine right by us. So they should probably become our best friends. Yeah. I would really love to touch that werewolf. I watched the making of, and he was like, they asked us to fill like a thousand boxes, and he was like, well, we'll just put my head in one. (laughs) And so they just have like a green screen around him and pop his head up, and that was it. And if you look, (laughs) there's a couple copies in some of the cubes and stuff. Yes. Whatever, man. Just to have like, even if you had like five, it'd yeah. be crazy. Like, or why not just do like, uh, like a set number like 12. Right. Like the, for, uh, Cause that's how many months there are between sacrifices. That'd be fine. Yeah. But then read, they were like, no, let's just keep throwing shit against the wall. Yeah. I read that there was earlier versions that there. So some of them change and repeat or whatever, but yeah. So continuing there's blob. Yep. A reference to the blob. The blob. Triggered with the telescope. There we go. That's why I wanted Jim to do this whole series of them because he is the only person I know with a functional telescope. <laughs> was giant spiders, millipedes, killer plant from Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. Tentacles. The one that just comes out of the roof. Yep. The killer robot, the mecha scorpion. So a lot of people said that this was triggered with the buzzsaw, and it's kind of torn between people saying that it's a reference to chopping mall or a virus. If you look at it, it's pretty clearly a reference to virus. Virus right. just sucks. So people are like, oh, naturally they wouldn't <laughs> refer to it. But yes. yeah, that's clearly what it is. Yeah. I had an action figure that looked exactly like the Mecha Scorpion. And there are several movies that do the same thing. But yeah, I, I agree. I think it definitely was more for virus. And honestly, if I had a Megazord, like let's let's talk about all of our friends. If we had Megazords, I would have a Mecha Scorpion, right? You, I'm not worthy of a dragon. I would have some creepy little <laughs> thing that made out of Erector Sex that would just rip people's buttholes open. <laughs> all right, yeah, I can see it. What would yours be? Ooh, sloth, probably something <laughs> something nice and relaxing. So you start using your Megazord like chopping sword of death attack and like it keeps destroying shit and keeps checking in on you. And finally, it just like coincides where it happens to be in your line of fire and boom, you kill him and save the day. Jim, what's yours? No. A mecha snake or something. Mecha snake. Oh, for the big penis. Great name for your penis. (laughs) (laughs) Not going to tell you how to live your life. But if you haven't christened that bad boy. (laughs) So next there's a giant woman or attack of the fifth foot woman. Killer garden gnomes, the KKK. Which is great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they are monsters and they're bastards. <laughs> Suffocators. There's also the man in the transparent tarp. So they're different. So one is just somebody who uses saran wrap to choke someone and one is just rocking around in the tarp. Yeah. A little bit of an odd choice, but right. okay. There's a voodoo magician who was summoned by a magic kit. And then there was also a Cthulhu creature. Which is human just human size. Yeah. That's kind of the letdown, but... 
whatever. So troll and then the ancient ones. So the ancient ones being the things that come out at the very end of giant hands. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so you have a bunch of people who've analyzed it and like, oh, it's Kronos the Titan. That's clearly what it is. And like, I don't know that you could say clearly about any part of this movie. Right. You know, some people are like, oh, it's the Elder Gods, but the Elder Gods weren't necessarily anthropomorphic in the same way and blah, blah, blah. I I read that it was symbolic of the people actually watching the movie. Exactly. Because <laughs> if you do not do all those things in a horror movie, people hate it. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. I kind of wish that it leaned more into that instead of being interpretive. I have a little bit of an issue with the ending. That's probably the weakest part to me. Okay. Yeah. If they had just left in the pandemonium, I think it's a better ending. But to tie it in with like the whole Sigourney Weaver being like, oh, I could shoot you or kill you or push you off or do anything, but I'm going to stand and pull a James Bond villain and explain everything. Yeah. That's a little weak. Yeah. I also have an idea for a much better twist ending. Mm. We'll get there. All right. Hopefully I remember. (laughs) Very often I'll leave a breadcrumb for myself and then we'll get 30 minutes later. I'm like, what? (laughs) All right. Continuing, there is a bullhead phantom. Yes. A cow skull giant. That's, they visually rendered it, but it's not actually in the movie, but it's in the behind the scenes stuff. Right. Creature with patterned segments of armor on its head, creeping shadow, cyclops, dark spirit, a face peeler, floating leech creature, flock of killer birds. Not seagulls. And I ran. (laughs) Four-legged saddle creature, giant alligator, giant ant, giant ape, giant cat, giant crow, giant deers, giant ferrets. Giant lizard, <laughs> giant owl, giant toad, gladiator demon, gorilla, hell lord minion, <laughs> the humanoid, the kraken, mutant girl, mutant in hospital gown, <laughs> ogre, pale serpent, phantom. My dick, sorry. <laughs> phantom. Oh shit, Billy Zane's in this movie? I didn't see that. God. <laughs> Prince of Darkness. I like that movie. <laughs> Puffy tentacle creature, Ooh. rabbit dogs, savage with hatchet. Slimy horned cloak creature, the old man. The old man's a very interesting one, just kind of in the background. Yeah. The red fiend. Which a lot of people said they basically just took the head off of one of the dismemberment goblins and just repurposed it. Mm. The reptilian, the un- undead warmonger, tentacle thing, two headed creature. Kind of nuts, right? Yeah. So then if you go to the novel, there's boil covered monster, crack skin, lava people, dog with alligator head, evil children, exploding shard babies, fire mouth woman, four eyed creature with mouth like a sea creatures, giant rabbit, infant creatures, man with steaming pipes in his chest, minotaur, monochrome woman, scorpion stinger woman, screaming banshee, six armed man, snake, pubic hair woman, three headed child, toxic ghostly figure, woman with a tooth vagina. <gasps> it's crazy that the snake pubic hair yeah. and the tooth vagina are separate. Medusa <laughs> pussy. I wish was in it. <laughs> Yeah, I think that would that would be a great superhero team up. Mm-hmm. So were these on top of everything that was in the movie? Uh-huh. Yeah. It sounds like Ready Player One horror version. Exactly. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, honestly, when Ready Player One went to the Overlook Hotel, I was like, oh, maybe they've just changed it. And we're watching the Red Cabin in the Woods sequel after all. Oh, no. And then there's also there's the visual companion, which had just a bunch of other ones, a different version, the alien creature, demon, fish man, seaweed creature, sharklet creature, the alien, the butcher, the exterminator, the extraterrestrial, the magician, the pirate, the surgeon, the viking, the witchcrafter, vampire woman, and vampire man. A little odd that they have two different forms of alien and an extraterrestrial, but hey, who am I to judge? I didn't write this or draw this, so <laughs> I just looked up a wiki to yeah. impress my fans, of which there are few. <laughs> any of them stand out specifically to you that you loved more than any other thing? I loved the unicorn. Pretty great. Just because just because visually there's all this blood and gore and chaos and this beautiful white unicorn right. oh, who gets someone. I am curious because there is a supernatural episode where there is a killer unicorn and it's 
exactly the same, but I don't know which one came first. Whenever I see unicorns now, I think of, because you're, you're all dads, so you know the Perry Grip guy? He does nope. Baby Monkey, which has also become Baby Yoda now. Oh. Well, he does a song, Space Unicorn. Na, 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 na. I don't let my kids watch Tinkling any of that trash. <laughs> it's song. Jimmy came over for New Year's and put some of that trash yeah, on my TV. <laughs> And then my kids were like, oh, I can actually listen to this. And I was like, no, you cannot. <laughs> it's educational. Yeah. Okay. Just counting. I do feel bad because my kids always want to play Michael Jackson. And I'm like, oh, once you grow up and know the history. Oh, they're <laughs> girls. So it's fine. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> this movie was truly tailor made for me. You'd have John Wayne Gacy in one of the cubes and Michael Jackson in another cube. <laughs> that would round out the just terror. <laughs> So shall we get into the statistics this week, John? Let's do it. Statistics made on a budget of approximately $30 million. Ah. You got to remember, this is a pre-Thor Hemsworth. Yes. Apparently, Hemsworth's brother was being considered, Liam, at this point. Kenneth Barnard was really high on his brother, and Joss Whedon, having worked on this with him, was like, no, I'd like him to be my Thor in Avengers. And so since you're just making a cog for my machine, I would recommend you give him a second chance. I like both Hems brothers, but... Thor's got the more comedic value, I believe. I don't like the idea of a comedic Thor until you get to Taika Waititi's version. And then they, when they've leaned into it so far, I'm like, oh, this is great because he's in on the joke more than he's the butt of the joke. Right. I like. I, I understand what the concept of a fish out of water story, but Thor is a majestic, valiant, heroic, flawed, deep character. And for him to get tased by Kat Dennings is insulting to me. <laughs> <laughs> also, the bleached eyebrows are an abomination. They are an affront to human decency. And I'm still mad about it. Owen's looking at his eyebrows. Film grosses $66.5 million. You're like, hey, that's a, that's a return on investment. It's actually not terrible. Because very often we talk about the marketing budget being so significant, you basically have to double the cost of a movie. Right. Here's the problem. MGM went bankrupt while making this film. So the marketing budget is paid for by Legendary or Lionsgate. 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 Lionsgate, exactly. So Lionsgate fronts the bill for it on this movie that they buy at a film festival, South by Southwest. They have no real investment in it. Do you remember any marketing for it? Very yeah, little to none. Which obviously that's part of the mystique of the movie because if you market it too much, then you lose the trick. Right. They actually showed a lot in the preview that you're like, oh, something's up and yeah. different. You know, like with the elevator, I think they showed. Because I did watch the trailer and I was like, oh, they showed a lot more than I was expecting. I don't think I ever saw the trailer before we went and saw it because I was totally surprised. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised definitely how far they took it. I thought it wasn't going to be like that at all. But it's basically like the prestige. You can't advertise the whole thing because the magic trick is gone. And that's right. basically the success of the film. When I had seen it, it was based solely off of the goodwill of Joss Whedon at the time and the reputation that it had kind of as an underground thing because they had done an early screening and there was buzz about it. But because MGM went under, there's nothing they could do. The whole yeah. think about what could have been. You have a Left for Dead 2, which is a killer franchise. Right. It was really popular at the time. That plus a big backing. I think you could have done a lot more. So for the return on investment, it's not terrible. Well, they even said that they thought the movie, after it was already complete, wasn't even going to be actually distributed, right? Because they were they were like, yeah, they went bankrupt and they kind of sat on it for a while. Exactly. I mean, that's what the problem is because now I didn't see anything where it directly said like, oh, this movie bankrupted MGM. But, you know, this movie seems like up until that last act, like a movie that was basically like a five million dollar budget. 
and then it seems to explode. So I'm glad that while I say I'd be happy with the movie with them just descending in the elevator and that being the end of it. I'm glad that the plug didn't get pulled in production as opposed to after the fact. So MGM, rather than putting out half of a movie, let them go crazy because that's what makes it iconic. I think it would be a a fun, cheeky little twist if they had just gone underground and it stopped. But to show the reveal, I mean, that's that's the magic trick, like I said. Yeah. So the competition. Oh, joy. Oh, me. Oh, my. Titanic 3D. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Comic Con episode four. A fan's hope. Remember that humdinger? We have a Pope. Uh-huh. Lockout? Oh, I actually saw that. How is it? Terrible. Sounds terrible. The Three Stooges. <laughs> Will Sasso Ooh. went on WWE Raw and got chokeslammed by Kane to promote that film. <laughs> Honestly, there was not a whole lot that came out around this. Oh, you had uh, John Cusack in The Raven. I saw that too. Yeah. Not a Not whole great. lot of competition. <laughs> Granted, the next month you had the Avengers. Oh, and you had Dark Shadows with Johnny Depp that everybody hated and complained Saw about. Saw that too. Jesus Wasn't Christ. Did good. you see the dictator and battleship that month too? Yes, I did. Jesus Christ. You needed a life back then. That was before I had kids. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> yeah. like it. Men in Black 3, which is vastly superior to Men in Black 2. It is. It is. So there's overlap, but not a huge amount. This is actually a pretty safe time for this to come out comparatively, and it could have been worse. The runtime, 95 minutes. It is crazy how much stuff happens. Yes, I agree. Yeah, it's absolutely nuts to think like with all the stuff that you see and the pacing that the opening has for it to be that short is a spectacle unto itself. I think there's some choppy editing, but I like it as a stylistic choice. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, it works. It's, it is, like Chad said, it's perfect. It's not, there's nothing really that you could cut that would make it. Ah, oh, there is one scene that I actually dislike because they give away the punchline of a Chris Hemsworth's death. Oh, I actually like that. I don't like that they show the eagle smashing into the force field in the beginning at the exact same part where Chris Hemsworth's supposed to jump the bike because it takes away the impact of him actually dying. You know it's going to happen, so you're like, oh, haha, but I wish it was like he hits it, and then they're like, what the, you know. Yeah, I could, I guess I can see that. That seems fair. Like they could have done something else to, to show set that the up world's something fake. that's weird yeah. is going on. Exactly. Here. Yeah. Or just something more subtle. Right. Exactly. I agree. Yeah. Hold, please. Jim unplugged my tablet to plug in his tablet, and now I'm going to lose my counterpoint. <laughs> it was already unplugged. <laughs> that means Brian did it before he scampered out of here. <laughs> I said it's fine. I said it's fine. You guys just need to drop it. <laughs> but yeah, I don't mind it because th- this movie has several Chekhov's guns going on throughout it. I've seen this movie with people who completely forgot about the hawk hitting the hologram wall. And so when it happened, those people like, are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, the drama of the scene, I can kind of understand it, but I liked it. But it's such a big part and they're getting rid of like their stronger character that is leading everyone at that point too so you like know that something big's gonna happen and that's where i think that it's also like the hopeless part where like we're stuck in here yeah and that's why i was like they probably shouldn't have just showed like an eagle crashing into it because it could have been like oh my god like there's no way he's gonna make this like what's gonna fuck him up exactly and then you but you already know right right and it's then they even have like the comedy because he's kind of like bouncing the whole way down. Which I love and that it's great. Physics. As somebody who grew <laughs> up playing a lot of Dave Mira freestyle BMX 2 with the wipeout mode, <laughs> I used to purposefully crash a little character into cars and get dragged across a freeway. Yeah. So I loved seeing that. 
So the film gets directed by Drew Goddard. It was his directorial debut. This is a very ambitious undertaking for some guy who has never directed a feature film before. Killed it. Very good job. The only other directing credit he has is Bad Times of the El Royale, which he did after this, which he had also written. He had, at this point, had written for Alias, Buffy, and Lost. And like I said, since then, he created Daredevil. And so in terms of writing, he wrote it with Joss Whedon. They talked about locking themselves in a hotel room because they had come off of failed projects. And for three days, they came up with a draft of the script. I would love to see the first draft compared to the final draft. I imagine this movie changes quite significantly. Yeah, I guarantee it. Joss Whedon kind of got a little his head up his own ass by calling it the most and least traditional movie of all time. And then he also said that it explodes the genre as much as it celebrates it. I can agree, though. A little grandiose. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's cool to have that said about you, but to, to say it yourself is like kind of giving yourself a nickname, you know? Yeah. Not cool. Yeah. Like this guy naming his penis over here. The Pale Snake. Oh, no. What was yours? Mecca. Mecca. Mecca Snake. Mecca Snake. <laughs> Mecca Snake. And then Drew Goddard. The only film he'd written before this was Cloverfield, which, again, kind of, you know, your twist where you're it's, it's a different way of telling like a big kaiju type story, which is good. I really like Cloverfield. I'm surprised more people didn't. Yeah. I also I hate hand filmed like footage, mm-hmm. like found footage, but I did like the concept for it and all that. I thought it was executed well. It's not going to change the world, but it was just it was fun. It was different. Yeah. I don't need it to have an expanded universe necessarily. So like 10 Cloverfield Lane could have just been its own movie. And the Cloverfield I mean, paradox. paradox was pretty good. I watched that. I would say 10 Cloverfield Lane was basically its own movie. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like it didn't need. To, yeah. Like you said, it doesn't need to be in that universe. The other one on Netflix is actually much better to tie it in. Okay. Yeah. If you watch that one, you're like, oh, okay, that's cool. Adding a button to the end of it to add it to a franchise just kind of doesn't work for me very much, but it's fine. Yeah. Interesting enough, Drew Goddard said that his inspiration for a lot of this film came from when he grew up in Los Alamos, New Mexico. And so you had these people who are working on nuclear testing sites and they had this desperately dangerous world ending cataclysmic career and it was mundane. (laughs) So that kind of comes from that element. He said that while he was working on it, Tom Cruise was, quote, very supportive, end quote, in giving notes. And the last (laughs) interesting note I had from Drew Goddard was he told Fran Kranz, the guy who plays basically Shaggy in this movie, that the actors started to mimic their characters in their social circumstances with one another. They like filled the roles as they came together, which I think is pretty interesting. Yeah, that's good. And that is basically it. Music by David Julian, spelled the dumb way, which is July and <laughs> Okay. Shall we get into nicknames? It's nicknames. Nicknames. Beep, 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 beep. Kristen Connolly is Dana Polk. Aaron Hannon from The Office. Distractingly oh. like Aaron. You can call her Kimmy Schmidt if you want to. I was like, oh, this is the same person. I didn't put my finger on it at the time, but now it totally makes sense. I was like, why is she so familiar? Yeah. <laughs> she said that it was really fun getting dirty as opposed to having to keep your makeup and outfit perfect, even though she was sticky and hated it. That was oh, kind of cool. Yeah. So Aaron Hannon. Sure. Perfect. Chris Hemsworth as Kurt Vaughn. I mean, Thor. <laughs> what? Yeah, the dude. <laughs> the I, dude. <laughs> I think Thor is definitely it. The guy from the Men in Black movie. I'll probably get around to seeing eventually. <laughs> Anna Hutchinson as Jules Loudon. She's from New Zealand. She was uh, how you say raw dogging one of Chris Hemsworth's friends. So when they oh. saw, he found out, he's like, "Oh, this is cool. We're friends. They like swimming together and stuff. How yeah. fun! Small hmm. world. Yeah." And it's funny that, you know, Chris Hemsworth and her are both playing American stereotypes. 
where they're not American. <laughs> Which funny enough, they probably base their accent work off of terrible movies like this. Yeah. How fun is it that you get to see the yellow cheetah ranger from Power Rangers Jungle Fury's tits? <laughs> pretty neat right yeah i need you to do me a favor chad you need to make an infographic of Mm -hmm. all of the former power rangers actresses whose boobs you see in film oh all right that's the one i can get behind must must be comprehensive must be comprehensive (laughs) i want an infographic i don't want i don't just want a bar graph or a line graph i need an infographic okay i'll have to group it by size and perkiness and exactly okay i'm just i'm just letting you know spitballing it yeah Uh, she auditioned for the film with one take of a video audition that was sent in before she had to run off to continue filming on a project. That's got to be fun, yeah. right? And I heard when they did the auditions that none of the stuff that they like were auditioning for were actually part of the story. Exactly. They, they kept it all like super secret, which is pretty cool. Aaron Hannon had to audition while being chased by two pterodactyls. Not in the <laughs> film. There's a lot of trivia that's going to say that, that was a deleted scene or something like that. It, I mean, I guess you'd call it a deleted scene, but it was never actually an included I mean, scene. Why not? Yeah. We have everything else. <laughs> What's the difference between a pterodactyl and a dragon bat? Yeah. Fran Kranz as Marty Mikalski. Uh, he was in Bloodsucking Bastards with The Mandalorian. <gasps> you guys, hey Mando. I really want to spoil the ending just because of one part of it, but I can't say that one thing because I feel like that show deserves to be just left alone. Yes. Just let people have I guess. It. I finished. I don't give a shit. Well, speaking of. Okay. Did we give Jules a nickname? Oh. I just want to say Tara Reed. Oh. That's actually quite appropriate. <laughs> yeah. Tara Reed, the Power Ranger princess. So Tara Reed it is. Fran Kranz. Can we call him Shaggy? Yes. Because he's Shaggy. Yeah, he's Shaggy. It's yeah. weird. It's distracting. But it was interesting. There were so many like Marvel characters. I was thinking like, oh, you could totally cast him as a very fun version of the superhero. And I don't know if maybe it's because I saw Kumail Nanjiani's new like buff ass bod for the Eternals. I don't know. It's weird. But apparently there was some trivia that said that he doesn't take his shirt off when they're doing the to lake swimming because he was like shredded okay anybody can get shredded to get giant like chris hemsworth do you see that guy in men in black international his neck oh i never saw it well i didn't see the movie but the trailer his head his neck because he's just he shrinks into this little skeleton man compared to all that bulk you have to have that's the thing it's not the work (laughs) ethic that's the problem it's just so hard to eat that much really that's the only reason i'm not swole probably the only thing holding back Speaking of Holden, Jesse Williams is Holden McCrea, the other guy. Who Chad is not here to talk about, but ran into at Disneyland Oh, last yeah, week. Chad's pooping. I don't know <laughs> if we established that. He slinks out of here and poops and then comes back and tries to act like nothing happened, but we're moving on. Yeah, so we can call him the Disneyland guy. There I we don't go. Know. You had Richard Jenkins as Gary Sitterson and Bradley Whitford as Steve In Hadley. The two techs. Basically, I was going to call them both, like, accumulatedly, they're both Dilbert. <laughs> yes there you go and then we have a list of all the other characters uh, who, and the only other one that matters is sigourney weaver which is she doesn't need a, a nickname she's kind of sacrosanct i feel like yeah. it'd be it'd be tawdry to besmirch her i think that even on her episode of with, with alien we didn't give her a nickname because she's sigourney weaver yeah like have some fucking respect <laughs> she was in galaxy quest you perverted man <laughs> I fucking love when she just repeats the computer. 
you've seen Galaxy Quest, right? Yeah. That's the best Star Trek movie that ever was. And we have to watch it again because I, I seriously haven't seen it in so long. Uh, I have it on Blu-ray and DVD. And anytime you want to watch it, I'll watch it. Perfect. Sam Rockwell. Don't open that. Is there air? You don't know. <gasps> <laughs> I love Sam Rockwell, though. I don't know what it is about him. He was in Jojo Rabbit. Delightful in that, too. Anyway. Was that good? Oh, Jojo Rabbit is my favorite. It's my favorite movie I saw this year. I liked nice. it more than Avengers. I liked it more than Star Wars. I liked it more than Child's Play. I loved that movie. That is saying a lot. Yeah, because I loved Child's Play, too. I remember telling anybody who would listen, like, no, it's really good. And people were like, what? Come on now. We also have Tim Dizarn as Mordecai. <sighs> I did like that character's inclusion. Yeah. I think the only other person is that really matters or doesn't really even matter. I was going to say the, the security guard guy that kind of got assigned to them. Uh, Patrick Sabongui. There we go. I don't think he needs a nickname. No. So let's move on to the recapitation as Chad waddles back in here trying to act like nobody saw him. Stop fucking up, Jake. <laughs> Chad, hit us with that recapitation. Mm. So a group of young sexually active sexy people and a stoner go to a cabin in the woods and soon they discover that things are not what it seems yeah when i read that thing on what is imdb where they're like oh shaggy doesn't take his shirt off because he's he's so buff he was so sexy probably in better shape than chris hemsworth it reminded me of that undercover boss kylo ren i showed you where (laughs) he's like i heard kylo ren is shredded he has an eight pack yeah (laughs) i got the pleasure of being the first person to show that to jim matt straight up sucks that's the best part that's come out of this whole sequel trilogy if you look at him at the end though after he's like kind of wet and kind of beat up he is pretty buff dude adam driver fucking rules no i mean the shaggy guy oh i guess so yeah I don't give a shit. I think that's why they also put him in like three sweaters or whatever the hell he's wearing. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. To make him look a little bit scrawnier, you know, because they gave him like bigger, baggier clothes. And meek with like the kind of, yeah. whenever the sleeves go over the hand, you instantly look kind of like a child. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought we were going to talk about Ben Swallow. Big fan. <laughs> I am firmly in the camp that Adam Driver's babe. There's like a, a divide where some people say he's ugly and some people say he's like if you tried to draw Keanu Reeves from memory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's pretty fair. My wife says he's so ugly that he's kind of attractive. Yeah. And I was like, oh, all right. That's totally weird. at that. He went all the way to the one end of the spectrum and looped around. What female matches that then? Oh. Cat Dennings. Oh, I, I hate her too <laughs> I much. know. I was just trying to trigger I, you. <laughs> no, you're not going to. You triggered me with uh, Sarah Jessica Parker? No. No. She's just fucking weird looking. Yeah. Well. In Hocus Pocus, she looks like a babe. Crazy things that a bodice will do to a prepubescent <laughs> boy, right? Whatever takes the focus off your face. <laughs> You'd think with all that magic, they could do something about that nose. Yeah. Crazy. I don't know. I don't know if there is a female equivalent. Hmm. Hard to think about it. Somebody would like charm. Rebel Wilson? Who's that? She's not that. She's not ugly. She's chubby. I don't know. Thanks, mm. Jim. I'm going to have to unravel that. <laughs> so just go ahead and talk about this movie while I go through IMDb just flicking through a bunch of weird looking chicks. <laughs> So the movie opens with two guys talking in a break room. <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> I don't remember what they're talking about. They're kind of being sexist about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> about being on their period, right? Or someone saying that she's on her time of the month or something. Yeah. So these guys are just talking in the office. and Oh, and the title credits to this are very similar to the movie Funny Games, which is pretty awesome. Oh. Is that like a movie that we watched recently? No. Nope. With toys? No. Yeah, Funny Games is a movie where it's like a family that then gets kind of held hostage by some 
like rich kid pricks. Think of what's that movie? The Strangers meets The Purge. Very similar. Oh, okay. okay. There's so, a foreign version and an American version. And the foreign version's better. And Keanu Reeves is in a movie that's very similar where he has sex with two girls. It's kind of like that. But then there's a, it's a thing. So it was a movie opens with these two guys talking in a break room and they're wearing suits and ties and whatever. And it's kind of mundane. And it kind of gives the, the feeling of they've done this a million times. It's just normal for them. Which is cool because it starts off looking mundane. You know, they got almost like the Mormon bicycle rider outfit. You put them in front of a computer. It's like Apollo 11. Right. Yeah. Or 13. Yeah. Well, so Apollo like, 11 is a successful one. We don't just like Donald Trump doesn't care about people <laughs> who are put in internment camps or jails or whatever John McCain was in. I only care about Apollo missions where they land on the fucking moon. <laughs> Sorry, Tom Hanks. <laughs> American hero Tom Hanks. So they have a woman comes up to them (laughs) and she tells them that Stockholm is cracked and they're talking about how it's only Japan and us left and they haven't had a glitch since 98. So we're kind of getting the idea that something weird is going on and it cuts straight to a girl in her room packing things for a trip in her underwear. Yeah. Which the glitch from 98, I saw a video online where a guy referenced that he thinks it's from the faculty because none of the tropes actually happen in the faculty. Oh, like none of the character die, characters die or like really die. Even the people that die come back to life somehow because they're not aliens, whatever. And it is very referential. I could, I actually dig that theory. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that is actually interesting. Is there any overlap? And because they even say that it was failed because of the chemistry department or whatever. Right. And that's what they used to kill the alien thing. Yeah. And they're like, oh, whose department was that again? And it was hers. And they're like, see you and zoom off. Well, and they have the fool, which would be Elijah Wood, the yes. athlete, which should be Zeke or whatever. Or right. Whatever that you have. Eh, I could dig that. Yeah. So it was the interesting. scholar would be Zeke is what I mean to say. Correct. Because uh, he's the guy who makes the drugs. Yep. That actually works. And Delilah's the hooker face. <laughs> Slapping that <laughs> all over everybody. Yeah. So, yeah. so, do you guys want my theory? It ties in pretty nicely to this scene. So, you got Hemsworth, and you don't have any pants on. That's a great <laughs> button to that scene. It nicely wraps it up. You know, you establish this fun, my bastard. But what's great is this shows you the breadcrumbs for when Shaggy later is like, he's on a full academic scholar. How, let me try this. Right. He's on a full academic scholarship. Like, we who, who? Yeah. Yeah, this show is like, oh, he is an intellectual. He's clearly acting out of character, which is really good. I think that's probably the most artful example of that in the film. They're all like and they that. They're all that. But I think his is the best in this regard. Yeah, it's okay. a direct parallel where you're seeing how he changes. If that will, because like, what about right. Holden? He just puts on glasses and he becomes more <laughs> of a scholar. Yeah. Well, Dana is like just getting off of a relationship with a professor. So she's been like exactly. fucking on the side. So Extra dirty, not, not just a virgin. Here's my thing. She's boning a professor. But here's, <laughs> here's the thing, right? We've established she has been boning her professor. Right. Sigourney Weaver says we take who we can get. Right. Here's the twist that you need because you needed the virgin to last till the very end. Who do they kill first? The girl, the cheetah ranger, Tara Reed, who they say, oh, she's a whore. You never see her have sex. She licks a moose. She <laughs> she straddles Chris Hemsworth with no top on. She is never penetrated. As far as you know, she is a virgin, but you have established knowingly that Dana has been raw dogged by her professor. She is the whore. And the fact that she lives to the end and the perceived whore dies first throws everything out of balance. So that's why everything goes wrong, which is don't judge a book by its cover, which is the whole premise of this movie. Don't judge it by its cover. It's not. <laughs> just a cabin in the woods she's not just a floozy she is a woman who is proud with she has a powerful p- 
independent. <laughs> it does work. I think my ending's way better. Yeah. Could you imagine the oh shit? Yeah. Like, like, on, on oh, man. like on Sigourney Weaver's face. We actually face. had a virgin. Because <laughs> Sigourney can act, right? So that she goes, oh yeah, well, it's, that's a shame because you know Jules was a virgin and she goes, what? <laughs> <laughs> she, the, the wall's trembling behind her. <laughs> but whatever. Yeah. That's why they pay me the big bucks to yell into a microphone in my garage studio. <laughs> The scene of Dana in the room getting ready, and this is where we meet all the other characters. They come in, and this is when Stony McPot pulls up in his little uh, yeah his car that Drew Goddard actually drove when he was in college. It's the same model. Yeah, it's a nice little homage nice. to himself. He shows up with his gigantic bong that is also a coffee thermos. Coffee cup <laughs> cost five thousand dollars to make, but actually works. Yes, wow. I read that and I was like, oh. Wow. They gave out promotional <laughs> ones to uh, promote the movie and they gave out uh, like when they were doing this one screening, they made a giant red plastic version of it. <laughs> kind of fun. But it's so crazy to think about how much time has passed since this movie came out because he's like, hey, do you want to spend the weekend in jail because he's smoking weed? Right. And now it's illegal everywhere. And people are like, okay. Well, he is driving while smoking weed. Yeah. He is parked. <laughs> one of the best things I've ever seen, though, is when he locks the door while the window is down. And then checks it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, that's something that uh, Drew Goddard used to do. How weird is that? <laughs> hey, I guess to be a savant genius, you have to have some weirdisms. <laughs> so they're driving away in the in the rambler and there's a guy on their roof he says the eagle has left the nest so it's another thing we're like what the hell okay something's going on again and we go to the two techs in the break room i'm gonna call them two techs because i don't remember what their nickname was <laughs> dilbert dilbert collectively they're dilbert dilbert's <laughs> or office space we can call them that i believe you have my blue. <laughs> <laughs> so they meet their security guy who his character is kind of weird because he just kind of casts doubt on what they're doing but it's a stick in the mud yeah i think he's supposed to be like our consciousness of like we don't really know what's fully going on yet he's there to observe and protect but yeah it's weird it's but he's a very like weird like he knows what he's there for he knows the ritual is there for something but he's like but he's the one that has like, to ask the questions so that we're able to get the answers from the two guys without them being like here's what's happening okay. here's what's happening so that's why he's like, does it really matter if you see your boobs? And he's like, yes, there's other people watching. Yeah. That's that's kind of like how we get more info without it being very weird. Right. So it's not overtly expository with Dilbert looking at the camera and be like, uh-huh. We yeah. have to see the boobs. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of a thing. Like, I know this. I've been doing this working beside you for 20 years. I know, but I'm still telling you we have to see the <laughs> boobs. <laughs> and so from that scene, we go and they're in the car and this is where Smokey McPot's like society, de- society needs to crumble we're all just too chicken shit to let it there's your foreshadowing <laughs> which yeah I have issues with that ending pisses me <laughs> off yeah. we'll get to it <laughs> I would, eventually I'm already mad <laughs> so, so they, they pull up to the rundown gas station that's where we meet Mordecai what was he the harbinger harbinger, harbinger yeah did a really good job yeah he's too. a great guy <laughs> And by playing it so on the nose, it makes the comedic element that comes after so much better. Oh, yeah. So he's the butt of the joke. And you know, he even out overtly calls Tara Reed the whore, mm-hmm. which again would be great because this shows that they are, their whole perception is you're the whore and she's the virgin. Missed opportunity. So he tries to scare them away. This is where we find out about being his cousins or we find out about the family, the plot of land. Which actually ends up being the the people that come and kill them. So, the Buckners. The Buckners. Yeah. Yep. And then, so they go back on the road. They're driving through the cave or the tunnel. 
And the this is where the bird hits the force field. Right. And they pull up to the cabin. They get their little lakeside swim in. And then it goes to the bedding pool, which is a crazy scene. Yes. Because basically you're establishing like, again, in any profession, no matter how dire the stakes are, no matter how dastardly what you're doing it is, it becomes mundane. Mm-hmm. And so this is basically like your you know fantasy football or whatever. And I just, I, this scene is great. I honestly... I kind of wish that they had done more with these characters and less with the leads in this movie because I think they're way more interesting. Oh, they're totally interesting. And it actually happens when you're in a career like that. It doesn't even, yeah. I worked for a group. I mean, I had to be like on suicide watch watching kids. And, you know, you're like with these like terrible situations. These kids have been through horrible lives and you're waiting for that. And all you can do is like, you kind of sit and you're like, I do this day after day and you kind of get used to it. And then you kind of just joke with your coworker and you're like, oh. there's nothing else you can do other than, you know, I've often given the example. I, I quote this a lot. because I don't know why. Maybe it was just part of my formative experience as a person. Street Fighter, the movie. Raul Julia is, <laughs> has that scene where he's playing M. Bison and Chun-Li pours her heart out talking about how Bison is responsible for killing her father. And then his, he and his goons get run off with pitchforks. And he's like, this is the most important moment of your life. But to me, it was Tuesday. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And that's so true. Like I, you know, when I settle a case for tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars or whatever, people are like, oh, I'm like, it's just another day. Yeah. So. And you don't get that directly in your pocket. So who cares? (laughs) So nice. I'd love it. Let me tell you, we would have a much nicer garage studio. Uh (laughs) So the line... Let's get this party started is done once in this scene, once by Kurt, and then once by Dana when she does the purge button. So that's kind of a fun little button that happens throughout. I didn't even notice that. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of my favorite lines also from this entire film is when the intern is asking who he should bet on. And he says, (laughs) more than anything, I just want this moment to end. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) After all the betting and stuff, they cut back to the cabin and the group are all dancing and partying and they're playing truth or dare. So Marty dares Jules to make out with the wolf head. Which was coated in powdered sugar. I read that. To yeah. give it a dusty look and to make know. it palatable for her to lick a silicone tongue. Yeah. It was detachable. I love this scene. There's so much tension. when you're, Especially when you see it in a the theater mm-hmm. and you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> you're like, fuck. I remember seeing the theater <laughs> thinking, oh, that, that wolf's going to bite that bitch. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, But I love that, too, because this is where you see Hemsworth. He's like stumbling over himself. He's muttering and he's talking. He's being outright antagonistic to Aaron Hannon and being like, hey, you're just going to want to do truths because you're a pussy fart. Yep. (laughs) And so the cellar door randomly bangs open here. Evil dead. Yep. Looks exactly like I love it. Someone says, oh, the wind must have blown it open. That makes what kind of sense? <laughs> so exactly. Like it goes from him being a very intelligent man to be like, oh, it's just whatever. Yeah. The stoner guy is like one of the best characters. He's even the main character. If you think about it. He becomes. Yeah. yeah. He's the Richie Tozier of this movie. He's the fool commentator who then saves the day. Exactly. But then yeah. also ruins everything with a bad ending. <laughs> So they all eventually go downstairs after a dare. And this is where they we see all of the, the triggers. And we already went through all of them. Yeah. But they also Hemsworth picks up the conch shell. You see the ball. There's movie reels, ballerina, necklace, old diary. So Dana reads from the diary from 1906. She gets to the end in Latin. And she 
doesn't or she starts to read it and Marty's like, no, something's wrong here. And there's some whispering <laughs> yeah. going on, like, read it, read it out loud. I love it when he's like, I dare you all to go upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> when he says, I'm dr- I'm drawing a line of the fucking sand here. Do not read the Latin. <laughs> Every time somebody tries to quote a legal maxim to me, I'm like, do not res ipsa loquitur me, you son of a bitch. <laughs> do you know what the Latin is? Dolor supervivo caro, dolor sublimis caro, dolor igneo animus, which is to say pain outlives the flesh, pain raises the flesh, pain ignites the spirit, which ties in earlier to in the end, if they don't transgress, they can't be punished. So the whole ignition and everything is really the penance, the pain. I like it a lot. It's pretty dope. I have to say, I was talking to my wife when this scene happened. If they did that Black Mirror Bandersnatch bullshit with this, where you could choose your own adventure. Oh, my God. Oh, I would watch every variation. I would be, oh, yeah, definitely. I want to see the merman. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that's how this movie was going to go, where you're like, all these creatures are so cool. I want to see one of them. And then they're like, zombie people. Lame. <laughs> yeah. But that kind of also ties into how they're, it's satire. Right, exactly. Yeah. Right, so it's well. There are great comedic moments too, like when when Stony McPot later on is taking a piss, and you see the zombie approaching him, and you know through different focal points of light in the background, like little things like that right. are really great. And it, it, you know, it's not just what they're saying is funny. It's not just situational comedy. It's a great, very good blend of all of it. Yeah. So after they read the Latin, and the Buckner family raises from the dead outside, and we they go back to the facility, which is what it, the the place is called the Overwatcher people. They're like something out of nightmares. Actually, they're what nightmares come from. Awesome. <laughs> so the bedding, the maintenance one, and they have to share the pot with the intern. Which is <laughs> And then the lady comes up. I had zombies, Um, actually. And he's like, not the same. I kind of wish it was as simple as a variation of like witches to sexy witches. Right. Because it's just like just that one dumb adjective. Right. This is obviously <laughs> a little more involved to get to like the Sawyer family ripoff. This is where you see the board of all the different things. Yeah. So they talk about how the family has like 100% clearance rate. And it's like, should we call Japan and tell them if they could take the weekend off? And you see a screen that says Kyoto. And you see the floating... Ring girl. Ring girl. <laughs> so it cuts back to the cabin. Jules is dancing. Everybody's watching really awkwardly. And then it cuts to the guys and they're dancing just like her. Yeah. I love that so much. Yeah. <laughs> so Jules and Kurt go outside. To bone. He's going to break her hymen open. Mm. According to my theory anyway. <laughs> With Mjolnir. Which is what he calls his dick. <laughs> <laughs> but it breaks eventually. Mm. Oh. From his sister. Oh, oh no! <laughs> So they find a nice, lovely patch of grass that has like mood lighting and everything. Yes, which I like this part because it shows how much control they actually yeah. have. Oh, They're like yeah. pumping in pheromones. The light, they make it warmer. All that just to be like, titties. See? The pheromones <laughs> because movies. she's a chaste woman. Yeah. The security guard protests, right? And yeah. the guy, the text or Dilbert says, we aren't the only ones watching kid. So this gives like some thought to the ancient ones or whatever they are that they're actively watching and it not just the sacrifice matters, but how things go like transgress. Right. Exactly. But when you were watching this for the first time, what did you think that it meant? <laughs> Aliens or the devil or something like that. Okay. Yeah. That was I, my, my two that I remember because the technology element with the hologram wall was very alien kind of to me. Yeah. And then I was thinking, though, that it would probably be Satan. Okay. He also says, got to keep the customer happy. Yeah. Right. Okay. I could just imagine Satan with his little hooves being like, ooh, titties. 
a little happy dance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Doing a little river dance with his dick out. <laughs> you think Satan's dick is like a dog or goat dick where it's like a little lipstick out of some fur? No, it's a seven-headed serpent. Yeah, oh. dude. <laughs> Hail Hydra. Oh, you cut off one of his dick, two more take its place. Uh-huh. What if you just keep hacking off his dicks until he looks like Tangella from the Pokemon? Is that what, that was one that was like a bunch of like dicks, right? Don't know. Google it. Don't make me look like that guy. So this is where everything goes to shit. And the Buckners come out of the woods and they attack. Joel's hands get stabbed. Kurt gets stabbed in the back. And the dad, I guess, of the Buckners. Yeah, the biggest one I took. The to big, be big dude. He like has a bear trap and he swings around and like impales people in the back. I thought it was pretty cool. Full yeah. on lifts holding Caulfield up, which is badass. Yeah. I really liked his design. He reminded me of the scarecrow from Real Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Yeah. And they needed to get someone so big and imposing kind of because Chris Hemsworth is pretty buff. He's a big fella. Right. And remember, right after this, he did Red Dawn. Did you see it? No. I did. I had a feeling. <laughs> I looked at Chad I'm like, if anybody I know has seen this pile of shit. Have you seen the original? Yes. Okay. How did it compare? Shit. Okay. <laughs> and when fat kid from Drake and Josh was supposed to be Hemsworth's brother, I was like, that's not the way genetics work. Like, I've seen twins and that's not even how genetics work. So Jules gets sawed in half. Which is gnar. It's not a yeah. chainsaw. It is a saw. Yeah. Old school like logging saw. Yeah. yeah. Well, they take off her head. Take off her head. They yeah. didn't show it. They like cut away. Exactly. Right? But then it has the payoff later. Right. Yeah. When they oh, yeah, chuck they the did. head at yeah. Aaron Hannon. As they cut back to the facility and the techs are kind of praying. And they like kiss this, the necklace. Yeah, yeah like this It's nice because it's kind of showing like they have to do it sort of a thing or they feel that they have to do it. Oh, yeah. Well, they Some know they have to do right. it. Right. I mean, they, it's not the monsters just, are like right there. Like, right. They don't just glorify in all this. Right. And that's the kind of thing. So there is like some sort of weird humanity, but you know, you don't know why. Yet. Definitely cultish vibe, though. Yeah. Correct. Like, this we offer in humility for your blessed slumber as it ever was. And this basically rules out the alien theory. And you're like, oh, this is Satan. And then that's where you get the blood sacrifice for the first time. Yeah. So they pull a lever and then gears all gears turn and blood starts pulling down. It's filling up like a stone monolith or something. Remind right. anybody else of Blade with Wesley Snipes? Yep. Jesus. It's having flashbacks. Hey, if you want us to do Blade or maybe the Blade trilogy or maybe the Blade trilogy plus the bullshit TV show or maybe the Blade trilogy plus the bullshit TV show plus the comic book series, make sure to let us know. Slash I'm down for problem. any or all of those. Oh, yeah. Especially Blade Trinity, where Wesley Snipes was such boner. a petty shit. No, the part where he wouldn't, he refused to open his eyes and they had to CG fake eyes onto his <laughs> eyelids. Do you know this? No. Oh, Google it. I just remember the Haunting. boner scene when they're like, the guy's asking him questions like, do you get aroused when you drink blood? And he gets up after drinking blood and he has like the, yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's in the police station part. The part where he gets shot is like, the fuck are you out of your damn mind yeah <laughs> i love that so much are we reviewing blade already right now i think we are <laughs> steven dorf yeah sorry go ahead chad the Jimmy. dad from what was that show <laughs> what was the the like wanted to be married with children but wasn't with a ginger dad you know what i'm talking about oh he was in that movie he gets his face fucked up anyway anyway so the next scene is shaggy's in a bed and he hears a voice tells him to go for a walk so he goes outside he notices there's no stars or anything and this is what you're talking about with the light with the girl walking behind him such a good in and out of yeah. focus 
Really good. And then out of nowhere, wifey jumps at this hard because she's expecting (laughs) the danger to come from behind. And then all of a sudden from the the side, Kurt runs into him and they start running. And then he he clotheslines the girl that was walking behind him out of nowhere. I love it because it's like she's a threat, but not really because she's the kid. One arm. He just totally slams her. He's like, dead bitch. (laughs) Have you seen the background footage, the behind the scenes? So she has her like green screen, like half sock over her lower arm. And just gets fucking railed and does this flip. It's awesome. It looks great. <laughs> so they're inside and the, the door starts banging. And what's her name? Aaron opens the door. Yeah. And this is where the big guy throws Tara Reed's head at her. Exactly. He has every opportunity to kill her right there. But what is he doing? Instilling fear. Yep. That's a beautiful part about this movie is the fact that it makes sense that they're playing with them. Right. It's something that frustrates the fuck out of me in movies like Halloween compared to a movie like Hellraiser or Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, why is Michael Myers so fucking terrible at killing just Jamie Lee Curtis, right? He should be able to just kill her. She does nothing heroic or anything, but he's inept versus a character like Freddy or a f- character like Pinhead. He's enjoying the game. Right. You got to make him suffer. Sort yep. of. So at this point, they're all together again, and they're talking about staying together. And so the texts are like, <laughs> oh, fuck. And they start pumping in chemicals and to make them split up, which is kind of he's like, oh, throwing we should all go separate ways. And the other guy's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just throwing shade at stupid movie horror movie tropes i guess oh yeah, yeah. what's well, it goes all the way back to scooby-doo hey yeah. fred no yeah <laughs> just stop it we all know the person who's doing all the naughty shit is the only other person in the cartoon stop <laughs> so they all go to their rooms they get locked in by the text and then shaggy breaks a lamp in his room and finds a camera and thinks he's on a reality tv show he gets pulled out the window dragged into a grave and we think he dies but the line he says is from X-Files. Oh, I had a note about that. What is it that he says again? We are not who we are or something. Uh, that's a reference to the episode The Ice, which is a direct ripoff of the movie The Thing. It is a terrible ripoff. The first time I watched through that show again on Netflix, I stopped watching for a month after it because it offended <laughs> my sensibility so much. And I love me some X-Files, but The Thing is sacrosanct. It's, it's sacred. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then here's a great part. So when they pull the lever for the fool and everything starts to shake, it's not because the ritual is being continued. It's because it's right. absent. They think that they're getting excited downstairs, but it's a false kill. Mm-hmm. Just uh-huh. like the whore, because she's the virgin. <laughs> but there was no shaking then, so I think... Uh... I take my virgins very seriously. You'll remember Monster Squad as a very serious subplot involving virgins. Yes. Doesn't count! <laughs> I had to reference it. You knew I had to. <laughs> I know. So, Disneyland. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what we're calling the guy who you saw at Disneyland. That you, you weren't here oh, for that part. okay, yeah. Totally was saw. he nice? I didn't talk to him. He Did he look him. nice? Yeah. Did he have like a peasant boy following him around or anything? No, he was with someone else from the same, whatever he was on, Grey's Anatomy or some junk. Hmm. Someone else was there. My wife knew who he was, and I was like, I don't know. Nice little reunion. Like, hey, dude. Hey, I gave dude. him a head nod. That's it. I was like, did he nod back? Yeah. Okay, that's good. He didn't big time you? No. I think he did like the wide eye, like, this guy's going to talk to me. This guy's going to talk to me. And I just walked by. Should have been like, <laughs> I loved you in Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> I like that he was like, oh, fuck. I don't want to blow this. That's Chad from Slasher's podcast. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. He totally should've, recognized me. Should have handed him a sticker. <laughs> I know you carry them around. should have been like, I'm producer Chad. Chad. <laughs> so anyways, Disneyland Holden. 
Oh, when he hits the zombie with the collapsible bong and it does nothing, that makes oh, me yeah. so happy. Yeah. Because it's <laughs> like it, it, the sound of it's great and it's basically the equivalent of like getting hit with a wiffle ball bat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what's crazy, so in this movie, fucking everybody be getting stabbed, right? Yeah. Stabbed or grabbed with a bear trap and ripped up and they're all fucking fine. Yeah. Yeah. They it's don't really, crazy. yeah. They don't really show the lingering effects of multiple injuries. They remind me of the kid from Freddy Got Fingered who's always massacring himself <laughs> and getting mortally wounded. Yeah. I'm going to go back to forgetting that movie ever existed. Freddy Got Fingered? <laughs> Teddy, would you like some sausage? That's the only thing I remember from it. <laughs> I found buried treasure. That's soap on a rope. You <laughs> <laughs> X-ray cat who can see through wooden doors. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. I've seen that movie a few times. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've only seen it twice. Isn't it? My yeah. hooves! <laughs> oh, poor Tom Green. I love him. I do like Family Guy when they make fun of him. Oh, I haven't seen that. He's like drinking out of a cow udder and he's like, do you guys like me now? Oh, <laughs> that's dark. Uh, so Holden breaks the two-way mirror. <laughs> <laughs> he's like jackass went by himself trying to get people to like him. Well, that's the crazy thing is how, how <laughs> you listen to him talk and stuff modernly and he's like, I had done all of those bits on public access TV in my teens and 20s and then they bought it and I had to like resuscitate it. Yeah. So he was already over it before it started. Yeah. So the perception <laughs> of him just being shocky is like, yeah, he was a shocky teenager who then had to carry that over into his 20s and was very jaded by it. <laughs> and then basically created the biggest fuck you movie of all time. Freddy Got Fingered <laughs> is, is a terrible movie but it is a statement on the genre. It, okay, but here's the thing. I'm a fan of Gremlins to the new batch. Oh, and so I am think I. that informs why I like Freddy Got Fingered because it what it's doing is brilliant. <laughs> Even if it has flaws in its execution. Yeah. Okay, go. <laughs> My bum is on the cheese. My bum is on the cheese. <laughs> if I get lucky, I'll get a disease. Uh, I can keep going. You better you better ramp this up quick, son. <laughs> All right. So Holden breaks the two-way mirror and helps Aaron through. So they're trying to move beds and they find a trap door which goes down to the room that they talk about in the diary where the father killed the black room yeah the black the room. husband's bulge and put oh. the hot coals in mama's belly so they're going through trying to figure out how to get out and holden gets bear trapped in the back mm -hmm. and pulled up and they, they pull the zombie dad partway down and Dana crowbars him in the eye. Very reminiscent of See No Evil with Kane. Right. But he's still not dead. And then she takes the knife and like stabs, stabs him, him over and over and over. But right. even then he's still not dead. He yeah. just has a perception of death. Exactly. Which and is a I great trope itself. like this part because it's also like, hey, why would you ever drop the knife? And they actually do like the shock to make her drop the knife. Yeah. And that, oh, yeah. you know, that's kind of like where you're like, oh, cool. They even touched on that. Yeah, so it's like, why don't any of these people have weapons? There's like still a house. There's still a kitchen. There's no one's holding a weapon. And yeah, and I also like that at this point, it feels like it's insurmountable odds against them already. Right. Yeah. So Hemsworth comes in and they grabs him and they, they all run out and make it to the camper. And we go back to the control room in the facility and they're showing what's happening in Japan. And all the schoolgirls are singing and taking <laughs> the demon spirit girl and they turn into a frog. <laughs> I love that part. And so the Dilberts 
are like freaking out and he's like cussing out all the girls. Fuck he's you. Like, fuck, fuck you. you. <laughs> fuck you. Yeah. It's, so funny. it's a bunch of Asian schoolgirls. So the location situation, you have the containment cubes to reference to the cube. Buenos Aires, you see a giant King Kong. In Japan, you have the Ringu. Stockholm is a reference to the thing. And then people have said that the Madrid is a reference to Dracula. Dracula. I also saw Rangoon, but I didn't know what that was a reference to. But just in terms of what else is going on. Right. It's interesting. Yeah. So they're in the van. They're going for the tunnel to get out of there. And one of the techs has to go and make it collapse because there is some sort of glitch that made it. They didn't get the the order to collapse it. This is where I think like a lot of the stuff you're seeing some sort of power or something moving them to all these places fail and stuff's not working correctly. There's glitches and you're like there no matter what, there's like an opposing force somehow exactly. to making this fail. Whatever the antithesis of divine intervention is. Exactly. Or yeah. even if the the gods down there are like, no, we want to come back. Something weird, you know? It seems like that. And right. you see the one tech seems to get that when he he's ribbing the guys later on when it, after he blows it up. He's like, ah, yeah, you know. And the guy said, well, we never got the call. And he goes, what? And then they clear it out. Right. He's like, oh, fuck, that's a game changer. Right. I just kind of wish that if we get the ending that we have, that Shaggy and Aaron Hannon realize that they were just a, like a cog in the machine right. or like they were just a pawn for them. But instead, it has this weird ending I don't like. So keep going, Jim. Which I'll talk about that at the end. But yeah, I have so, another thing. So the tunnel collapses. They back out and they get the idea that Hemsworth gets the idea that he could jump across the the ravine on his motorcycle. Why he doesn't use Mjolnir, I'll never know. <laughs> his dick. Exactly. Swing it and just he go across. his dick and throws it. <laughs> and then everyone could crawl across it like a bridge. You know how many times I've swung my dick around and slapped my wife on like the like the leg as she's walking by like I'm Batman trying to <laughs> rappel up a building? <laughs> it's never gotten me laid, but I've done it quite a bit. And then Chad, so this is what you don't like. We talked about it in the right. beginning. Because they even build up with his like speech. I've made jumps farther than this. It's It's too drawn out and they're like looking for the emotional connection there for him to be like the hero that I don't think that it was meant to for us to know that that shield was there. I right. feel like they might have done this to avoid the direct one for one comparison to Deep Blue Sea where Samuel L. Jackson's doing the triumphant speech and unceremoniously gets dispatched by the shark. Yeah. Exactly. I think that that's my read on it. So yeah, he hits the force field dies. And so Holden and Dana get back in the van and they drive back and they're just like, well, we're just going to keep driving. Yeah. He thinks that, that he can drive to the other side of the mountain through. Right. Yeah. And she's like, well, whatever's coming after us isn't going to stop. Right. And so he gets knifed through the throat. Yeah. And the van goes into the water. It's great. And I think one of the cool things about it, it makes sense that it's one at a time. And it, the pacing of it is fun when they when Sigourney Weaver, the one saving grace to her whole exposition is the fact that there's a method and a sequence that it goes in because it shows why you have the Papa zombie playing possum, why you're doing these things, why you'd have a zombie in the back of the camper not killing them because athlete needs to die before scholar. Right. I kind of wish that she fought the zombie more when she crashed in the water, but the image of her swimming up to the surface is beautiful. Yeah, it's pretty good. No, it's not pretty good. That's it's pretty beautiful. Good. <laughs> I mean, I've seen it's better. Beautiful. I've seen better. Oh yeah, like yeah. what? The fish sex from uh, Shape of Water. Shape, Shape of Water. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> so long as you didn't say forty-seven meters down uncaged. Ugh. No thanks. So we're back at the facility, and they're all celebrating. And this is where we learn that the virgin's death is optional. All she has to do is suffer. Yep. And so Dana makes it to the dock. Zombie dad comes out of nowhere, starts beating the crap out of her. They're not even watching the screen. 
right. and they're all partying, flipping through because it's like you're seeing him throw her and slam her. And but it's interesting because yeah, it's playing in the background. It is so like mundane to them that they're already partying, not watching. Still, no one. They're like last we've defense. yeah we yeah, yeah exactly. And they were like, yeah, I'm kind of rooting for her. But after that, they don't even pay attention to the screen, which is kind of interesting. And it goes, they go back to like the mundane stuff. Like right. all the different departments are just kind of talking like blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But then the maintenance crew is has like a chip on their shoulder when the techs come up and talk to them. And they're like, there was a glitch. It was a power reroute from upstairs that caused the, right. the stuff not to work. And that's when the red phone starts to ring. Which again is up from upstairs, and we never like really get to know who is upstairs. Yeah, and it's very dis- distinctly upstairs, right? Not not downstairs. not downstairs, and what's below, and all that. Yeah, exactly. it's upstairs. And so they clear the room. Yeah. Well, they answer the bat phone. Na, 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 na. And so she and Shaggy Two Dope they escape the zombie, and he takes her into his little subterranean area. Where he goes, I just just remember that guy with a trowel. What have you been up to? <laughs> which is fun because you get your little Chekhov's gun with the zombie hand, which pays off greatly later. Yeah. Because I remember seeing the, f- the first time I was like, man, when he has a fucking zombie hand, I was like, that's the best joke you got there. <laughs> but when it like basically causes hell to happen later, I was like, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> All about this, dude. So this is what we were talking about. Like if the movie ended here, I think I'd be smiling and satisfied. I would, but this is the part where I'm like, where I wanted to see everything. Yeah. So when it did happen, I was like, this is so freaking awesome. And at the end of the movie, like the part you don't like, I still think it's funny because they're like, man, I wish I could at least see what the ancient ones look like. Mm. And that's kind of where I was like, oh yeah, there's still something else I want to see. Right. And that's where I'm like, oh, okay, it's still good. But that, that you know, they're kind of like hooking you with that last bit. So at the first screening of this thing with South by Southwest, somebody asked Drew Goddard if they would make a sequel. And he said, have you seen the ending of yeah. my movie? <laughs> So he also said regarding the sequel, we had some crazy ideas, but Joss and I both felt strongly that we didn't want to do it just to do it, right? I'm very lucky that I get to keep making movies. I don't need to just go make a sequel for the sake of making a sequel. The only way we could do it is if we could do it justice. And the truth is, it's a hard one to do justice to. Every version of continuing the story undercuts the ending that we had in Cabin. And I just feel that it continues to be the perfect ending for that movie. And I never want to undercut it. Right. The only thing that'd be interesting is prequels to... If they did a prequel or something. 1998? Yeah. Cabin in the Woods yeah. 98 would exactly. fucking rule. Right? Yeah. I would be like, dude, that's awesome. There's just, there's no way they could do anything after this. Right. Right. Well, I mean, humans had to have survived the wrath of the ancient ones in order to be humans in the first place. So it's yeah. possible, but, but then it would be a complete different complete, movie. Yeah. A different type of movie. Even. Exactly. It would just, you couldn't do the genre flip, which is the magic trick. I don't like it. Saying, unless you did it like where it starts off as an action film and becomes like a rom-com or something like that, you can't do the same game. Yeah. So I'm fine with it not having a sequel. Or I'm thinking something like 10 Cloverfield Lane where it's like you don't realize it's a sequel to it. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, fuck. Like at the very end, you're like, like hey. Right. Okay, maybe. But then it's still not Cabin in the Woods 2. Exactly. I think The Cabin 1998 is what you call that or something like that. Yeah. Vaguely referential. And so this is where everything just goes crazy. You, you see the you know, the werewolf lament configuration. They escape the cells, which are moving and interchangeable, which I think is a very cool visual. Uh, she purges everything. So then chaos just ensues. And you end up finding your way to like this altar. And Sigourney Weaver just talks to them. Which right. it just, like I said, that, this part doesn't make sense to me. Because without them realizing that they're furthering the plot of some divine or you know evil character they're just the selfish 
assholes. And this goes to, I guess, moral relativism. I guess if you're a moral absolutist, you're saying, oh, well, she can't kill him because she killing him is wrong. But moral relativism would say, no, you know that by not killing him, you are killing everybody else in the entire world. That's wrong. Yeah, well, I made it. I kind of thought about it when they were even talking in the room and they're like, hey, send guys with guns. They're they were like, kill him first. And they're like, it doesn't matter. And it kind of made it sound like they're talking about it's against the rules for them to intervene like this and that she would have to make the choice. But he's like, but there's no precedent and we're stuck and there's nothing else we can do. And so maybe it was like the true believer. She was like, I can't kill him. You have to actually kill him. But I don't know. It was kind of weird. Yeah. It's kind of like they were their last straw anyway. And But I just don't like the idea of them being anarchist and like, oh, the world should just end because... So I don't know, you you save yourself just so everybody else can die, but you die. That's the thing. The first thing that happens is they die when the hand flies up. Yep. So it's like, this is all for nothing. You didn't make a political stance. Nobody knows that you did it. You're just doing it for yourself. Even when he says, sorry, I ended the world. I was like, I don't know. That's just the only thing I don't like. I would have much rather like a plot twist or something else, even if it was something deliberate, but whatever. But if I was in that person's shoes and after all that stuff happened to me, I'd be like, hey, this world's pretty shitty, man. But you have kids and you have family. That's the thing. I don't know. They didn't. Who says who? She might be an orphan, but he's not. <laughs> Kurt's got a lot of kids. What do you think of the ending, Jimbo? So I actually like that everything just ends wherever the ancient ones come back and are going to rule the, the earth or destroy it, whatever. Yeah. Probably rule. They yeah. don't want to die themselves. Why would they would go through all this trouble and seeing boobies excites them to be like, we'll <laughs> yeah. kill everyone. It just doesn't make much sense. But why would they like boobies? I mean, his dick would have to be so huge. He can't even have intercourse <laughs> with a woman. Yeah, but he can ma- he can masturbate with that giant hand that comes out of the I earth. guess. And what if it's like hot semen that melts people? Sorry. I just no. That's Pompeii. That's how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> the ancient splooge. <laughs> That's the name of my new stoner metal band. Nice. The ancient splooge. <laughs> I think the one thing that bugged me was the, and it bugged my wife too, was that she just turned on Shaggy without knowing anything. You're like, oh, I'm just going to kill him. Yeah. And then, well, you know, the werewolf comes and intervenes. And the werewolf doesn't kill Shaggy or anything. But she got bit by a werewolf. So the second movie could be her surviving as a werewolf. If she had any charisma, yes, that could be what happened. She was kind of dull through the whole movie, mm-hmm. I feel like. But that's her character to be. She yeah. has to be dull. She yeah. has to be the bland survivor. The thing about Jamie Lee Curtis, does she have charisma at all in Halloween? Not really. She's just a prude. Right. I get that. So how would you rate this movie then? Uh, it's a classic for sure. I, the ending doesn't ruin it for me. It's just something I just don't really like. I, I, but I don't like selfishness. I like the selfless hero and I guess... It just seems like a waste, but I guess the fact that it's subverting what I want while somewhat last Jedi in that sense is maybe is probably better in terms of a story structure. Right. And I mean, sometimes there are parts of movies where I'm like, I don't like that, but I guess I like it in terms of overall. Right. Like a certain character who dies in that newest Star Wars movie where I was like, I don't like that this person dies, but I kind of like that I don't like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Take that, that fan service, fuck boys. Yeah, I think it's a classic as well. Um, the taking out the shield with the eagle thing, nitpicky that, or not really. I actually think it should be taken out, but or at least moved. And the ending, like I said before, Shaggy's little quote saying that he wishes he could see what the ancient ones look like. I feel like kind of saves the ending for me. I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool because I obviously am like, you've shown us so much, and I still want to see more. But that's kind of like a hang, you know, yeah. kind of leave you hanging. Which I'm like, all right, that's fine. Classic for sure. I think the best part 
It's not even just the mayhem at the, the end, but it's so funny throughout. Yes. And just yeah. consistent, just consistent letting on of things and then to just drop the bomb at the end is so, so good. So this is the one movie that made my wife start watching a very limited amount of horror movies. I know a lot of people who this is their intro to horror and yeah. it's so weird because it's so referential for it to be your first thing. It's like, I guess kind of a Pandora's box. Like think of how many things because like you could see the character because my wife watched the first three Hellraisers with me based uh-huh. off seeing this and okay. seeing Lord Fornicus. So and that's cool. it's not even as much as that. She like knows all the weird like tropes or whatever and she's like it was smartly written and I think that's what helped yeah. her yeah. push it forward because you're not like oh it's just dumb you don't schlock or whatever. That's what's great about it. You don't have to know. Right. You literally could know none of the references. Right. And yeah. it's still a great movie and a great experience. Yeah. So. Even like the boob scene. She was like, oh, okay. It's funny. <laughs> They're making fun of it and it's ridiculous and it's great. You could be in on the joke and laughing with it or yes. you'd be laughing at it, but you're laughing. Right. So we had talked about this. Are we going to do a new champion year to year? Because, I mean, it's going to be hard for anything to beat Alien and Blood Diner from episode like nine until the end of the year right. was the trashic champion. I think we should do that. And then at the decade mark, we'll just redo. I'm just Please kidding. don't tell me. <laughs> I can't. My soul can't take it. Yeah. yeah. So I guess this would be the reigning defending classic champion 2020. Bay. Yeah. Bay. I'm down. Since it's our first yeah. one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so if you liked this episode, please let us know if there are any others that you'd like us to do from Dust Till Dawn, perhaps, or any of the thousand movies that we referenced in this. Yeah. If you don't mind doing us a solid rating, subscribing, doing all that bullshit, it, honestly, it would baffle your mind how integral that is for us to do any kind of growth. We have thousands of followers on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and Slasher app and Horror Amino, and it's absolutely disgusting how few people actually see our content and that's just basically because these websites their algorithms are based off of likes and comments and interactions so whatever you can do would really help us a lot and we'd also like to hear from you and engage you and make sure that we're giving you the content that you guys want i would like to thank all of our patreon patrons it is crazy to think that we even have one much less the amount that we have and it means so much as we're doing new ambitious things and shirts and trying to branch out And we have a lot of really interesting ideas set up for 2020. So stay tuned, but fuckers. Would you guys like to say goodbye? Uh, Sure. Enjoy killing time. Until next week. Beep, beep, fuck boys. And for Brian, who is probably preparing for our camping trip that starts tomorrow, for myself, I would like to remind you to go out there and do something you love. And remember that all work and no power play makes Jack a dull boy. Cabin in the Woods, more like recording an intro for the hidden track on your phone in a parking lot, am I right? Hopefully you don't hear that dump truck speeding past me, wafting, oh my god, that is a smell. That's a real bad smell. But you know what's the opposite of a bad smell is a good sound, which is Paddle Cell, the band for this week. They are a psychobilly ska band, if you'd believe it. Very well done. Now, these gentlemen are kind enough to give me their own ad copy. So professional. Quote, 
The unique style between Psychobilly and Horror Ska promises variety and no boredom. With a deep atmospheric and goosebump driving voice larded with psychobilly guitar riffs, driving slapping bass, crazy drums, rounded dark horn arrangements, the listener is transported into a deep, unrecognized psychosis. The band has two albums out. You can find them at paddlecell, P-A-D-D-L-E-C-E-L-L dot D-E, or you can go to facebook.com slash official. And you can find them on Spotify and all your favorite applications. If you're interested in booking them, you can find information on the Facebook or on their website. So why don't you go ahead, hire them to come play, call me, I'll be the MC, charge a nominal fee, and we'll all enjoy it. And the song this week is Ghost Girl. Turn around! 